Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturer of the finest knife heat treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. So welcome to episode 21 of Knife Talk. Now today I'll be speaking with the maker of some of the most wild and lethal looking knives you're likely to see. Today I'm speaking with Neil Kamamura. So welcome to the show, Neil. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to be speaking. I'm a really big fan, so it's it's great to finally get you on the show. Well, I'm honored. I mean, there's some of the best knife makers in the world on here, and then then there's the amateur me. <laughs> so I'm honored. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say what you do is amateur, not at all. But I'm I'm going to start at the very beginning. So so how long have you been making knives? Uh, right now I'm about a year and seven months. Really? That's all. That's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Wowzers, wowzers. And are they all forged? Do you forge all of your knives? Um, everything is forged. I, I, I did one stock removal knife, like, you know, just grinded a leaf spring, and I hated it because I hate grinding. And then so I forged my next knife, and that was, uh, uh, yeah, about a year and seven months ago. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I see from your Instagram that you make knives from files and leaf springs and so on. So do, do you have a favorite steel that you work with? Uh, no, um, because I'm a beginner, I, I typically stick with one steel. So, you know, I started with leaf spring. Uh, I moved to, you know, like farrier rafts and files. And then um, I moved to like 10 series steel. And then I, I moved to 52100. But I take my time. I don't really jump around too much. You know, I make a you know I make like ten test blades. I break them all. I flex them. I beat them. You know, I really go through each steel and kind of you know make sure that they're good before I sell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so why knives? What what got you into so you know hitting the shit out of lumps of metal? What got you into that? Um, I built lowriders before as a hobby. You know, I've always fabricated and worked on cars. Um, mm. And my great-grandfather came from Japan to Hawaii as a kid. And uh, he was, uh, you know, put in the sugarcane camps, and he became a blacksmith. And that's what he learned. And he oh. made sugarcane knives, and he became famous for it. And his name was Teiji Kamimura. And uh, he had a shop, a blacksmith shop in Hilo, Hawaii, from like 1930s to 1990. He died when I was about nine years old, but they named me after him. So my name is Teiji. My, my, my full name is Neil Teiji Kamimura. And so, you know, I started watching Forge and Fire season one, season two, you know, and I was talking about it to my son and, you know, um, um, telling him that, you know, my great grandfather is in the Japanese American History Museum and, you know, he's famous for making sugarcane knives. And my son told me you should do it, and you know that's kind of where it started. What um, what happened was uh, my mom ended up committing suicide, and uh, I didn't want to work on cars anymore. I didn't really want to do anything, and so one of my friends brought me a forge and said, "Hammer your feelings out, son," <laughs> you know, and I made I made one knife, and it took me about a week. You know, and then in the next eight months, I uh, I made about 70 knives because that's about wow, what it wow. took to kind of put my emotions and what I was kind of going through. 
you know, away. And then yes, by that yeah. time, Forge and Fire had asked me to be on. And so I went and competed with eight months experience <laughs> on my first episode. Oh, wow, is <laughs> so it's but it's in the blood isn't it so you know it, it's being handed down to you it's, it's a passion that you've got that's in the blood um i definitely think that there's something to be said about it being your heritage i think you take it a little bit more serious um being that my grand my great-grandfather was well known for it um kind of puts uh, a level of where i want to be too Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So, so if you weren't making knives for a living now, what would you be doing? I guess that'll be cars then, right? No, I mean, I, I own another company. Um, I've owned a, a pumping environmental company for 12 years. Um, so that's why uh-huh. I have the advantage of my office is a, a bladesmithing shop because, you know, I set up my guys from there. Um, I answer all my emails, all my phone calls. But instead of it being an air-conditioned office with a secretary, it's just me <laughs> and a bunch of anvils and forges and, you know, grinders. Not the conventional office. <laughs> so I don't I do not do blade smithing for a living. I have another business. Ah, right. Okay, okay. So, so I'm interested to know, would, would you consider yourself an artist? I mean... And, you know, you've mentioned, make, you know, designing cars and making cars in the past. I mean, do you have any other sort of creative outlets? Um, you know, I struggled with that word in the beginning because I, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really feel I was an artist. But I think in time, uh, I've accepted it that what I do is more of an art form than, um, like, how... I'm not a commercial um, knife maker. Like you can't really ask me to make something to a specific dimension and I will do it. I won't, Mm. you know, I kind of do whatever I want. And so that's kind of like, you know, there's commercial artists and commercial musicians that do things. And I'm definitely not one of those people. I kind of just create kind of what I want. I mean, you can kind of give me a basic of what, what what you're looking for and what your use is, but I typically just make what I want every day because I look at it as an art form and it's something that reflects me and uh, my style and my proportion to, you know, knife proportion is a huge thing. It's just like on cars, you know, just the lines and the curves and the functionality. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, you live in Hawaii. Um, so where I'd imagine it's very hot and humid so, so how do you deal with that heat when you have, you know, a raging forge in the shop too? Well, I'm third generation born Hawaii. It's, it's, it's where I'm comfortable. I'm actually less comfortable if it was cold. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wouldn't like it here in France then, because at the moment it's bloody freezing. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so describe your shop to us. Um, I have a, a bay, you know, it's like the man cave of, of, uh, knife building. It basically, uh, it's just a 25 by 30 foot bay. And, uh, what's in it is I have two anvils. I have a hundred pound Texas ferry supply anvil. That's what I, uh, the first anvil I bought. Um, and then I have a 200 pound anvil and then, uh, I have a coal works, uh, uh, hydraulic forging press, 
and then I have an AMK uh, grinder that I use, and I try and buy everything American-made. I'm definitely uh, a believer in American craftsmen and what they represent, um, and so even my, you know, my my all the way down to the belts I use are American-made. I only use combat abrasive belts. That's just something that I, I thoroughly believe in. Yeah, I've been using them too, and geez, they're they're low grits. They're sort of sixty, eighty grits. They're animals, aren't they? Well, you know, people ask me all the time, like some of the how I make knives so fast or how I get them so sharp, and a lot has to do with technique, but also having a good company like that. For me, I live in Hawaii. You, you live in France. I mean, these people will adapt to you to help you get their product. And that's, that's something that I appreciated with combat was that they actually took the time to help me because I was paying more for shipping than I was for the belt, you know? Yeah, me too. Me too. Yes. Yeah. So, so I mentioned in your introduction that your, your style of knives, they're pretty badass. So how would you describe your style? Um, you know, I'm not going to pin myself to like a rustic or, you know, uh, a brute to forge or whatever. You know, I actually wasn't a knife person before this. You know, I built lowriders. So, like, I don't know all the terms of knives and what. And I just basically try and always put at least one, like, two, two to three elements into a knife as far as coloration and texture. Um, I try and make sure that the lines all flow together, but my main goal is for someone to see it and not just, um, look at it as a weapon or, or it's a tactical, like killing instrument. It's a piece of art that, that is taken from raw materials. I mean, you can't get any raw. I mean, we, I use stabilized wood that my, you know, my friend makes next door to me. You know, I, uh, I, I go to the junkyards and I cut pieces off cars. I mean, can I get any more raw than how I'm doing it? And so my object is for that, uh, a first time knife buyer to, you know, uh, a mother of three to, you know, all, all aspects of life to look at and be like, Oh, that's awesome. Because if you think about it in this world, everybody uses, knife you know oh um, yes yeah yeah so you know every household has a knife so you the way i look at it is i want people to change the perception of it that it's not like some renaissance collecting thing or something you know it's something that's unique and it stands out and that's what my object is yeah yeah so so let's say when you finish a particularly sort of great knife do you ever try and replicate that or is every knife that you do completely different um no i mean the reason why i don't take a lot of orders i mean is because they want me to replicate something i've already made if and if i did that i still would be making rasp tontos for the rest of my life and you know my main object is not to sell the most knives my object is to be to better myself every day and the only way i can better myself every day is to push myself so I rarely make not the you know I don't have any jigs or any nothing. I don't even measure anything. Yeah. Rarely, you know. Hmm. 
Okay, okay. So I'm not going to dwell on your appearance on Forged in Fire because um, we've been lucky enough to have quite a few contestants on the show now. Um, but as you've been, but but you've been on twice, which is incredible. So you will know more than most. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences on the show? So I've been on Forged in Fire twice. Uh, the first time was I had eight months experience. Um, I had never made met another knife builder in my life, you know, besides my great grandpa <laughs> when I was nine. Um, I was a hundred percent self-taught. The only thing that I ever had was Jay Nielsen's videos. And uh, then he was judging me, <laughs> you know what I mean? So oh, it was like, it was kind of, well, you know, there was a lot of hype behind it because they never had let somebody on with eight months experience. You know, I was the first. And so um, I had a lot to prove, but that show is legit. It's, it's, it's real. There's no, I mean, hmm. you know, there's a little things here and there, but everybody on that show, main interest is to protect the integrity of the show and the knife builders. And that's what was really cool. And then the second time that I went on, I had one year experience. Um, and that kind of was a heavy episode <laughs> for me. Because, um, one, I was going against guys that, you know, Ray Smith has been doing it as long as I've been alive, you know, and he's an awesome person. Um, but uh, there was the anniversary of my mom's death when I went up there. You know, it was exactly one oh. year. And I, I was going through some emotional things and everything we did I had never done before. Um, but, you know, what it comes down to is what I think about every time I'm on that show is that my son's going to watch it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, quitting is not an option. And me being from Hawaii, I represent a, a, a community of people that stand behind you. And we're, you'll never meet somebody from Hawaii that wants to be associated with anywhere else. We could live in the mainland for 20 years and be still born and raised Hawaii. We're very proud people. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And that's something that I carry when I go on TV, you know, and I take it extremely serious. But um, I love the show. I love the people on the show. I love the contestants, the judges. Um, I credit everything to them. I mean, I would, they, they leap me 10, 20 years, you know, as far as exposure and opportunity. And so I owe a lot to that TV show. And I, um, I mean, I owe everything to that TV show. You know, it, it's what made my career. Yeah. And and for those who don't know, who maybe haven't seen the show, because I know if you're not living in the U.S., it's, it's quite difficult to get hold of the show. So Neil actually won the first time that he was on. He became the champion the first time that he was on Forged in Fire. And he was then invited back for the champion's edition. Um, so so what, did, what did you learn from the show? Um, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say I learned anything from the show because it's such a rush process. But the opportunity that it opened up for me after I was done filming the two episodes, I was able to train under Jay Nielsen with uh canister Damascus. I trained under a competitor, Ray Smith. I was able to train with Ray Kirk in Oklahoma. I did collaborations with Ryu, um, CEO, you know, and then now one of the Forge and Fire contestants, Demetrius, who I was on on the first episode, actually moved to Hawaii and me and him work together. We're going to start next week. He literally lands wow. Tuesday and we ship all of his equipment here already. And so we're going to we're going to start doing some work together, not so much knives, but more architectural blacksmithing. 
Yeah. Wow. So it's it's really changed things for you. Wow. Oh yeah, for sure. Hmm. So so just like on the show, you seem to put your blades through some some really rigorous testing. So have you got a favorite way of testing a blade? Um, I, I don't have a favorite test. I mean, basically, I feel as a new knife builder, being so new, I have to prove myself. Um, and also my mentor is Jay Nielsen, who is the test king. Um, and so you can make something as pretty as you want, but if it breaks or it doesn't cut, it doesn't really, you know, it's not functioning. And so, um, and I did have troubles with that in the beginning, you know, like getting the geometry just right and this and that. And so the best way to find your weaknesses is, is try and kill it. <laughs> <laughs> But that's disheartening, right? Spending a few days working on a knife then, you know, particularly on those, on those ice blocks. <laughs> uh-huh, nah. <laughs> it's worth it. You know what I mean? When, <laughs> when you're selling a product to somebody, you want to know, you know, I sleep better knowing that, you know? Yes, yeah. That, that they're up to the task, yeah. So, so living on an island, is, is it difficult to get supplies? I mean, we've already mentioned abrasive belts and so on. But is it difficult to get stuff such as abrasive glues, steels, and all the rest of it? Um, I mean, for, for me, I've come across a lot of companies willing to help me um, because of the exposure of the TV show. And I think a lot has to do with, like, my social media. I, I put my life on there. You know, you're, you get to know me. And so um, I think uh, there's been a lot of companies. So I've been extremely fortunate with that, you know, like from all my equipment, they helped me out, you know, they gave me discounts and, you know, supported me. And, uh, um, but I use a lot of reclaimed steel because it's just easier. I can get it. You know, my friend owns a, a, a towing company. So, you know, I just grab parts off of, cars and things and you know and and it creates a challenge i don't ever work with flat steel <laughs> hmm. oh jeez, you know? right okay <laughs> yeah so, so tell us about the, the biggest disaster that you've had in the shop uh i mean i have a one horsepower buffer <laughs> that's probably the most dangerous <laughs> thing in my shop i've thrown knives into the ceiling and <laughs> And it's yes. probably the scariest <laughs> thing that I use. Yeah, I've I've had a few slip ups with buffers. They're yeah, far more dangerous than uh, most people think. Yeah. Let's talk about one of our sponsors, Tormac. To get great razor sharp and repeatable edges, you're gonna need a Tormac. To find out more, go to Tormac.com. Just T O R M E K dot com. Okay, let's get back to the show. So so I mean Writers, you know, writers have writer's block. Um, but do you ever suffer from any sort of creative block? Do you ever look a piece, of, look at a piece of steel and think, "What the hell am I going to do with this?" Um, you know, like a lot of artists, they need to be in the mood. They need to, you know, whatever it is that they need to do. I don't. Um, I think one thing that is my biggest, like a lot of people tell me that, oh, I'm talented or this and that. I, I really don't think that I'm talented or anything special. I think the thing that separates me is I have a, a pretty good work ethic. Um, I don't need to be in the mood to make knives. I can force myself. And so, um, no, you know, there's, I think the biggest problem I run into is that my arm's about ready to fall off because I have new ideas every single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, 
I've, I've been looking at your Instagram feed today and I, I can see that family is clearly very, very important to you. Um, but what does your family think of your career? Uh, I'm not really close with my, my family. I'm, I'm actually really close with my son. Um, hmm. you know, my son, he, it, it's such a huge responsibility being a parent. And I, I, I try and be a parent that shows him through example, and that can really be tough. And, um, hmm. but he gets to see that every day that hard work pays off. And that's one of the the things that, and he's my best friend, you know, I mean, the kid is awesome. I mean, he, he sits in my shop. He's not, he's not always working with me. He's, he's cruising on his iPad, playing his video games and doing, but I don't force him, you know, and, and he's just a very patient, wonderful person to be around. Yeah. And he's going to be a great drummer one day, right? I, I, I've seen the videos. <laughs> <laughs> he, he He's friends with Will Willis, the host of Virgin Fire, so he thinks he's going to take Will's job. Is what he's going to do. He's going to be a part-time race. <laughs> dri- he's going to be a part-time race car driver and a part-time TV show host. <laughs> <laughs> a kid with ambition. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So, so if somebody wanted a knife of yours, how would they do that? How would they contact you? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a pretty frequently asked question. Um, I don't have a website and I refuse to have a website because I, it's not a business for me. It's a passion. Um, so I, you know, people message me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I probably have about 500 unanswered messages and about two years <laughs> worth of work, but, um, I just, I just do it one at a time and anything I can tell anybody interested in getting a knife is persistence is the key to getting to me uh, <laughs> you know um and the reason for not having a website is because it's an interaction you know i i you know they message me i answer one message at a time if they i i don't if i answered everybody's messages it would be crazy and i would lose track of whose knife i'm building and so what i do is i just do one at a time and i get to know the person you know what i mean they tell me where they're from what they do you know and that's the connection i have i, I don't want to put my knives on a website and it just goes to somebody i don't know you know yes um, yeah yeah and so and I, I money is not my main object with it you know it's 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 for me my biggest motivation is being the best that i can be yeah. you know, as far as a knife yeah. builder and pushing myself. And so money has to come secondary when it comes to that. If not, you'll lose your passion. You'll be making the same knife for the rest of your life. And I'm not willing to do that. And I don't need to do that. And so I really like interacting with the customers one-on-one and creating something that they're going to keep in their family for the rest of their life. Cool, cool. That's a that's a lovely answer. Lovely answer. So, so I'm going to ask a few questions that I ask every guest at the end of each episode. So the first is, what you find it challenging? Is there anything that you'd love to make but you haven't quite built up to yet? Um, I'm really interested in building strong Damascus, Damascus that not just looks beautiful, but um can really handle what a mono steel blade can do. Okay, okay. And and whose work do you find inspiring at the moment? Um I mean everybody inspires me because everybody's better than me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I 
I look up to tons of people. I mean, the people that I, I've trained with is mainly the people. I mean, obviously, you know, Jay Nielsen is somebody I look up to because we could, we're, we're a lot opposite. You know, he's, he is just, even when I work with him in his shop, everything has a place and he's so organized and, and I'm so disorganized and I'm very wild. <laughs> like my, my blacksmithing or bladesmithing technique is, is purely instinct and he's all knowledge. And so that's the type of people I look up to because I don't want to, survive off of instinct i want to be able to do both you know yeah yeah i mean talking about jay so i interviewed him for the last episode and and he was telling me about that you know like you said everything has a place in his shop and it's always tidy and i I was editing the show actually in my in my shop and i was looking around just thinking jesus the mess on this place you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so so what next you i mean you make amazing knives you know, lethal-looking knives. You've appeared on appeared on Forged in Fire twice. So, what are your plans for 2018 with regards to the knife making? Uh, I I'm gonna train with a handful of people, um, like really awesome people, and I, I, I've I've some awesome opportunities have come up for me, and I'm excited about it. And so, I'm gonna do some training. Um, I don't train. A lot of people here, I, because I'm so new, I shouldn't train anybody. I, I do have people come to the shop and make their own blade for fun, but I don't train people. I don't teach people. I'm a horrible teacher, but I'm a good learner. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I got some some people I'm I'm working out some details with to, to train. I'm super excited about it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, for taking the time out. Um, I'm going to let you get back to your, well, your office, um, shop, <laughs> and, um, and you, can carry, you can carry on with your day <laughs> thank you very much when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.